Hi friend, you're listening to a London Lyceum exclusive episode that is typically only available to subscribers. If you want to have access to all of our exclusive content, including Kiffin's Keep, Generally Particular, Typology by Immersion, The Hanover House, and all of our live stream content, consider joining for just $5 a month. Not only will you be getting access to all of this content and more, but you'll also be supporting and investing in an institution serious about thinking. So why not go ahead and click the link in the description now and enjoy all of the exclusive content directly to your mobile device or wherever you listen. As always, we're thinking about new ways to get you thinking, and we appreciate your support. Thanks for listening. Welcome to Kiffin's Keep, an intellectual resource for the pillar and buttress of the truth, which is the church. This is a project of the London Lyceum, which is all about serious thinking for a serious church in every venue that you can find, digital media, as well as print media, and all sorts of other locations. I'm Jordan Stefaniak, president of the London Lyceum and a host of Kiffin's Keep. And as always, I'm excited to be here. Before we get started, a reminder, go ahead and like the video, subscribe to the channel so you don't miss anything. And also do go ahead and comment, agree, disagree, or just extra additional material that you say you you could have added this or you could have talked about this or just encouragement in general. I appreciate it. This episode in particular, if you didn't catch it from the title, going to be talking about PhD sort of stuff again. Several weeks ago, maybe it's been months now, I don't know how long ago it was that I actually recorded the video. I did a video discussing PhDs, discussing a particular problem, but I extrapolated that and sort of talked about in general PhD sort of stuff, talking about how some large programs are causing, creating sort of questions. And based on the video, I got several questions and I thought they were good. And so I decided I'm going to make a follow-up video of sorts. Now it's not a a traditional follow-up video where you need to go listen or watch the old one. You can, I'll link to it. So in the description, you can go check it out if you want, but this is a standalone resource of its own. And I think it's going to be hopefully a useful resource for you, or maybe you've got friends or you have people at your church who have thought about these questions and have had similar thoughts and you can share this and that can be a nice uh, launching pad for discussion. So a couple of things that I want to talk about in this episode in particular, there's four main questions, I guess. Number one, what is a PhD? Because I think you got to just set that ground level, talk about that as always to make sure that we understand what we're talking about when we're talking about a PhD. Uh, Second thing is, should you do a PhD naturally? The third is pastors and PhDs. So this is sort of a subset of should you do a PhD because then you just add in the pastoral vocation into it. And then finally, if you do a PhD, how do you do it well? Well, what is a PhD? Now, disclaimer, I'm primarily talking about the humanities, particularly theology, philosophy, history sort of stuff with a theological focus. I'm not talking about a statistics PhD. Uh, My boss has one of those. I don't. Um, That's a little bit different as far as the nature of a PhD, I think, than is something in humanity-oriented PhD. Primarily, a PhD in in that sphere is fundamentally about apprenticing yourself to an expert mentor for guidance, Uh, on a specific research project of the highest quality. So it is a research project. This is not remedial coursework. This is not additional coursework. This is not a solo journey. You have a mentor who's guiding and who's checking your work and who's assisting you throughout the process. It's not a personal journey as if, you know, 
I remember, I don't know, in college, this 11 and 11 thing was popular. You know, one of those like mission trips is basically like, come find yourself. And that's not a PhD. If you want to try to go find yourself by through, through doing a PhD, I, I, I've got a lot of different things you could be doing to find yourself that could be more beneficial. So none of those things are what a PhD is. A PhD is fundamentally uh, an apprentice relationship uh, to produce research of the highest quality. Um, so a PhD is supposed to help you develop habits of mind, particularly. It's helping you develop ways of thinking, helping you to learn how to make sustained quality arguments. It's supposed to teach you research methods. It's supposed to obviously teach you content on a particular topic. All of those things that a PhD teaches Beyond that, it's not going to teach you all that much. It's teaching you a lot about a little. So the question is, should you get something of this sort? Should you get a PhD? And I've got some diagnostic questions for you here. So if you watch the old video, I talked about some of these. I've added a couple more as I've thought about it. Um, this isn't everything, but I think these sort of questions can get you started, at least if you're thinking about it. Because I know a lot of people think, oh, I should do a PhD. Should I do a PhD? So let's let's start with these and maybe that can that can help uh, you think about it. Or maybe you have a church member who's thinking about it, and you share this with them, and this can help them think about it. Uh, the first question I want to ask is, do you have the itch for learning or for vanity? And, and what I'm trying to get at with that, that point is, do you have the passion to actually to learn and to grow and to be stretched and to challenge and to find out you don't know stuff and that you are wrong and that you need a correct course? Or is the purpose of the Ph.D.? to have letters next to your name, to have a sense of respectability, to have honor and to have people look at you with esteem. If that's the purpose, I would say do not get a PhD. Absolutely not. Do not feed your ego. That is not why you get a PhD. If the, you have the passion for learning, uh, for research, for those things, then maybe you should consider it. But that's an automatic out and I think there's a lot of people, uh, I remember in seminary, a lot of people who wanted a PhD, even after seminary, a lot of pastors that I know want a PhD because they want the credibility that comes with those letters next to their name. Another question you can ask is, do you have the academic sort of approval? And that's twofold. Uh, do you have a high research quality master's degree? It's not just, do you have an MDiv? Do you have a master's research level quality degree. If you don't, you should think, let's do that first. Go get a THM, go get a MA with a thesis, do something of research caliber to make sure that you actually can do a PhD. And then also it's the flip side of, do you have people with PhDs, professors, others who have commented on you and your work and said, you should do a PhD. If you don't have that, that is a red flag. And you should consider that this may not be the appropriate route for you. It's okay. PhDs aren't for everyone. They're not supposed to be for everyone. It's okay not to do that, not to have one. Like there's no, it doesn't make you less of a intellectual or something to not have a PhD. That That's just, it's okay. Another question you can ask is, do you have the discipline necessary to read widely and carefully? So do you have the discipline to at night, early in the morning, to be reading large chunks of material that are dense, oftentimes that are not as like, they're not fiction. It's not light reading that you just go out and you enjoy reading and it flies by. 
Some of it can be a, a drudge. Do you have the discipline to make sure that you stay on pace and you read all the material that you must read? Because you really do need to become an expert in a particular area, which means you've got to read everything that's, that's there on that topic. Um, and you've got to read carefully. You have to have discipline to read carefully. It's not enough to just have read uh, some key texts. You actually have to know them inside and out, understand the logic behind what they're saying and why they're saying it. Another question is, do you have the financial, relational, and emotional resources? And by that I mean, number one, financial, obviously a lot of PhDs today cost money. If you don't get into a funded program, that's, that's, that's money that you have to come up with. Do you have the money for that? Even if you are in a funded program, uh, do you have the financial means to sustain a normal life or a family given that? It's not enough to just get a stipend to, or I guess tuition waiver and then a stipend of 20 grand a year if you have five kids. You've got to figure out how to make ends meet. So do you have the financial uh, resources to do that? Do you have the relational resources to do it? Do you have friendships that can help pour into you and fill you when you feel dry and when you feel cold? Do you have the emotional resources? Um, in both, so both of these also relate to your family. Is your family supportive of this? Do they understand why you're doing it? Are they, are they passionate about it too? Are they willing to sacrifice you for significant periods of time uh, in service of this PhD? And if they're not in support of it, if your kids aren't in a good stage or if your relationship with your wife or is not in a good stage, I, anybody can get a PhD relationship with your husband is not in a good stage. This is probably not a good time for you to be pursuing uh, such project. Another question is, do you have the moral foundation? Sorry, my son woke up. I was making sure he was okay. So I was talking about the moral foundation, right? Uh, moral foundation, which just meaning do you have virtues across the board? As a Christian, you need to have just virtue in general, because there's a tendency to want to be puffy, pu knowledge puffs up, tendency to want to become the expert in everything and to, to look down and be condescending and all those sort of things, but there's also just the tendency to forsake duties that you have that are of greater priority than uh, than a PhD. And then another question, you know, relates to that itch for learning, and I want to just press it home. Do you have a burning passion for the intellectual life? This isn't just I like to think about theology or philosophy more than the average person. This is you can't stop reading journal articles, can't stop reading monographs, you're passionate about it. So I think these are some helpful questions. Another one you could ask is just what is your goal? Um, if you just want a pastor, and you're currently a pastor, it, it might be wise to say, no, I don't need a PhD. That's getting ahead of myself a little bit. But just think about your goal. Like what, what is the end? Why do you want this? Is this a credentialing ticket? Then maybe you need a PhD, but you got to think through like, all the different aspects around it. So I would take some of those as some nice diagnostic questions. There's more stuff you can ask, um, but I really think those are probably helpful starting points as far as should you do a PhD. My advice usually, so I, I get conflicted. Part of me wants to say no one should really be doing a PhD. It's It, it can be soul-sucking, it can be drying, though for me, I love doing a PhD. I want to do another one. I, I, I get filled from it. And there's some of me that says, you know, I would want everybody to get a PhD because that can push them to think more, to stretch them, to challenge them, to make them more intellectually virtuous, all these things. But I also realize the reality of 
not everybody has the same level of capacity. Not everybody has the same level of interest. And not everybody has the same level of discipline that is necessary to succeed in a PhD without sacrificing your family on the altar, without sacrificing all number of things on the altar of this PhD. So there's a there's a twofold sort of answer that I want to give of you probably don't need one, but also there's a sense of I want to say I'd love it if you got one because I think it would be beneficial to you. I've I love it. I think it's a great thing to have a mentor to help you and say you're wrong here or you're right here or here's some good resources or you're thinking about this the wrong way. I love that. I would want to have that the rest of my life if I could. But there's also unique challenges that come along with it. So take those for what it's worth. Like obviously we're not having a conversation here where we could I could really pinpoint the areas to, to help you think through if you should do a PhD or not. I mean, there's also obviously like the location questions, uh, stage of life questions, the uh, feasibility questions, the questions of what is your GPA that I guess that comes in with the academic stuff. Can you even get admitted to the, the top programs? I don't think you should do a PhD just to do a PhD. Don't go to some hack seminary or hack institution that just hands out papers. Don't do that. The purpose of a PhD is to produce actual original quality material. It's not just to get a piece of paper on the wall. So don't go to a crap institution. Go to a serious one. Go to the best one you can find and get into. Okay. Should pastors get a PhD? I think this is a great question. And the question that I want to say is, should pastors get a PhD? Why do you want to do it? That's what I want to ask. Why? Some people might say, well, I want it to enrich my personal ministry, right? I don't, I don't have any plans to teach. I don't have any plans to publish. I just want to enrich my pastoral ministry. And I would say, if that is the case for you, maybe I'd need to know more. Because I want to know, when I think about just somebody who wants to pastor better and they do a PhD, there's some of it I say, yes, that will make you a better pastor. But there's also some of it I'm like, you can get all that stuff and become the better pastor without having to jump through the hoops of a PhD. Because think about it. What does it take to be a quality pastor, right? Moral virtue, uh, a well-managed home. It takes a lot of time. It takes a lot of presence in different people's homes and hospitals and other places, how much time do you really have to devote to a PhD? So yes, being a good pastor does require knowledge. It does require teaching capacity, things PhDs can, can help with. But I think most often the PhD payoff is probably not worth it for those people. If you're already a pastor, uh, I think I would typically discourage a PhD, not because it wouldn't be beneficial, but because you can get some of the benefits of, of the PhD without having to give up so much to get that. The investment for a proper PhD is just not something that I think is going to allow you to be a good pastor, unless you have like lengthy sabbaticals from your church or something that's allowing that and is understanding of it. Most of the time it's going to make you a worse pastor while you're doing it. And I don't think that's good for your church or good for you. So in for those people, I would probably recommend 99% of the time, just get a THM, do two THMs, do three, learn to write well, learn to think well, become well-rounded, um, but don't suck your ministry dry. I think that's the main point. So I, I would say if it's really, truly just about personal ministry, consider alternative options or I guess be really, really slow at it. Do, I, do it for 10 years and slowly get there. Um, now I think what's more often the case is if you're a pastor and you're thinking about, should I do a PhD? 
there's a desire to teach at uh, accredited institutions in the back of your mind. So John DeVito, he commented on the last video. He, he said this, I think it's helpful to quote him. I wonder if you're missing a driving factor in the growing popularity of PhD programs at evangelical seminaries. It's this, a PhD is a necessary prerequisite to teach at a Bible college and seminary. So if I want to become a seminary professor, devoting myself to theological scholarship and training the next generation of the church leaders, then I need to complete a PhD. He says this, but this leads to two challenges. One, the number of professor positions compared to the number of PhD graduates is heavily imbalanced, leading to an increasing unlikelihood of becoming a seminary professor after completing a PhD. And two, seminary students often become more interested in academic pursuits rather than local church ministry, with the ideal being a seminary professor rather than a local church pastor, end quote. I think John's right on with both of these challenges. Um, I think that's absolutely right. I'm going to add a couple of challenges of my own that uh, he didn't mention that I think are relevant here. Again, PhDs are for serious research. That is the purpose. And most pastors, or I guess most pastors turned professors, right? They never get around to actually doing the serious research part. They use the credentialing system to give themselves a new platform to talk about whatever it is that they wanted to talk about. They're handed, though, a platform that's not commensurate with their actual level of scholarship and their abilities, which is bad news because it generally is going to lead to poor training. It's going to have a bad trickle-down effect, right? Uh, so this often will lead to newly minted professors overshooting their area of expertise if they have one um, on a regular basis. Hey, I've got a PhD. I can say whatever I want on whatever I want. That's just bad news. So I would encourage pastors, I think, who have this itch to teach. I think you can do that without having a PhD and without doing it in a seminary context. You can learn to pour yourself out and to teach and to train the next, the future generation of churches in your own local congregation, in your own local sphere of influence, build a network locally, right? Teach there, train there, spend your time there. You're going to have a way bigger impact there than in a seminary classroom. The seminary classroom is just not designed for learning to pastor well anyway. That's done in the church. So why would you try to do that? I think of Mark Dever and his internship program has churned out probably hundreds by now, of well-equipped pastors. He didn't do that in a seminary institution. He did that at his local church. And I think that is really the way forward. If that's really your desire, your heart, your ministry, you want to do that, build something where you're at locally. I think, though, the question of teaching, it really does get most of the time to the allure of platform, right? The allure of recognition, the allure of something similar to pastoring, yet not pastoring. It gets you out of the grind, but it's also very respectable. It's honorable, you, and it's similar. You get to talk and think about the same things, but without all the pressures of ministry. I think that's dangerous. I think that needs to serve as should pastors get a PhD if that's really your desire. Absolutely not. You shouldn't do that. Um, our seminaries serve a purpose, and we need the very best and the brightest with pastoral sensibilities, yes, but they need to be the best and the brightest to train the young men to become pastors. 
most, I mean, seminaries are not the primary location to learn to pastor well. So if you want to get a PhD to teach about how to pastor, like that, I think that's just backwards. If you want to get a PhD to be an expert in Greek New Testament to train pastors to interpret their Greek New Testament so they can teach well, that's a different story. But I would, I have a hunch that's not typically what's going on. Now, enough about that. I want to talk a little bit about how do you PhD well. So on reading well, a couple of things, you need to be marking up your books. If you're not marking up your books, I don't know what you're doing. Uh, you're, are you really even reading them? You need to be outlining your books, outlining the arguments, looking at it and saying, okay, this is step one of the argument, step two of the argument, step three of the argument. Eventually, you'll get good enough at thinking through that to where you don't have to like write it all out all the time because you'll have a good sense for what they're doing. But you, you need to be practicing that. You need to be rereading your books. I can't tell you how many times I've thought somebody said something after reading it one time, but then on second and third and fourth read, you realize, no, it's actually more sophisticated, nuanced, or different than what I thought. I need to take some time to actually understand what they're saying. And it's only upon rereading that you realize what they're actually saying. So this is being practicing, being a good listener, right? You need to learn to read the right books. That's both good and bad. You need to read the ones that are wrong, but are important and influential and make interesting arguments. You need to read the good ones, obviously. And you need to re learn to read well different books in different ways. So not every book deserves to be read at a snail's pace, to be outlined in significant detail, to be marked up with every mark you can think of. Some books you need to be reading the first paragraph to determine if you need to read the rest of that section. First sentence to determine if you need to read that paragraph. You can read quicker some material that doesn't deserve that because then you'll find, oh, this is the section that I need to devote my time to, but the other sections just aren't relevant to my research. And that's okay. You can't and shouldn't be reading everything. You don't need to pretend that you've read everything either. It's okay to say, I haven't read that. So I think you need to do those things to read well, to write well. There's nothing that can replace repetition. You just need to write and write a lot to become better at it. The second thing you need to do is subject yourself to feedback. You need other people who give you substantial feedback and critique that does, that aren't just going to say, wow, you're awesome and smart. You need people to tell you, this doesn't make sense. I have no idea what you're talking about. You just dropped me out here in the middle of nowhere. I'm in a field and I don't know what is going on. Or you are severely underdefining all these terms and they, they need to be clarified Whatever it is, you need people who will critique you. So I think you just need to write a lot and to subject yourself to significant amounts of critique. But you should also try to write different styled things. Um, I think you should write, work on your craft of writing short, simple pieces for a popular level audience. That's going to really teach you to understand the, the nuances of what you're learning and present them in clear elevator pitch sort of ways, that's helpful. I think there's other books that I've got somewhere over here like on writing well that do provide useful tips that are going to help you become a better writer. But nothing replaces repetition and substantial feedback and critique. You can't get better without those two things. And I guess finally, as far as going to seminary well, Advice on that. I mean, be a member of a local church. Be a participating, serving member of a local church as best you can. That is the number one 
hands down thing that will help you have a good seminary experience. Number two is to develop relationships with your peers and with your, with your professors as much as you can. Lunches, breakfasts, whatever it is, get involved, build relationships and friendships. That's the stuff, that's the greatest benefit of being residential at a seminary, right? Is to have those relationships with people. That's how you grow. And that's what ultimately will sustain you in the hard times later on when you need friends. Those are really the two things. And then third is obviously just, you know, be a member of a local church, engage there, make friends, read your Bible, and have fun. Like, uh, read, 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 obviously, do your coursework, ser- take it seriously. Read all the required reading, read as much of the non required reading as you can, um, write as much as you like, pick the hard research topics, pick the hard courses as, as much as you can, pick the hard professors. Um, and you're going to have a great experience. I think if you do those things, I don't think it's complicated, right? I think be a good Christian, take the time seriously. Um, don't, don't assume that it's just like goof off freedom time. This is a really special time where you're around really smart people that are thinking about things that you care about and ways that you care about. And you're probably never going to be in those situations or contexts again. So just enjoy it. I don't know. I, there's probably other advice. I know there's books out there that give lots of advice about, you know, staying Christian or whatever in seminary. I don't think it's all that complicated. Be a member of a church, pray, <laughs> read your Bible. I don't think the Christian life is super complicated. It's just hard. You know, you're going to get thrown with difficult things and you just got to keep on doing the same things. Uh, Jonathan, you don't have to be Jonathan Edwards and come up with a hundred different resolutions. You, you can just say like, I'm just committed to staying a Christian, going to church, um, praying and doing those things. And, and over time you'll find in 15 years that, you know, that has really sustained you. The Lord will sustain you through those things. Memorize the Bible, obviously memorize scripture. I think that's really important and helpful. Okay. That's enough on this PhD and seminary and sort of stuff. If you have other questions or thoughts, let me know. Happy to cover them. I did want to mention though, uh, I've gotten lots of good content ideas from you guys recently, and I've got a list of them. I'm going to try to work through them. Um, I am going to try to shift up, or I guess not shift up, but organize the content that I produce on here. So again, my goal is to be doing like 40 of these-ish per year. Uh, so that means that I will miss weeks here and there, and that's that's just because life gets busy, and these can... It's not just me getting behind a camera and just talking most of the time. I try as best I can to outline ideas. I don't want to just talk about nothing because then I'll have either only 10 minutes worth of content or I will talk for 40 minutes about nothing and it'll be useless and I'll say stupid things. So I want to try to do the happy medium. I'm providing you guys quality content that's useful for you guys to listen to or watch. Uh, but that's also somewhat coherent and not something I'd be totally embarrassed of. I'll probably be embarrassed of it, but totally, totally embarrassed at least. So in order to do that, um, some of you guys have mentioned doing book reviews and some other ideas. So what I'm going to try to structure my episodes as once a month, I want to do a book review sort of episode. I think that's a great idea because that can launch into some topics without substantial amount of work from me. So I, I do want to be cognizant of not putting in 40 hours a week into this. I can't, can't sustain that. I've got other things that are important to be taken care of. Um, obviously a normal job, a family and, and the London Lyceum in general, making sure that that is running well and being useful for you guys. This is a fun hobby that I get to do. 
I want to do one book review episode, one sort of like top episode. I just came up with this the other day. I thought, you know what? What if I did some episodes on like top five theologians, you know, top five books on X topic, and I just kind of walk through that and my takes on those things. I think that could be fun and useful. I want to keep one episode a month at least on like the what is it sort of questions. So I've done a lot of like what is analytic theology, what is biblicism, what is whatever else. I don't know, you know, what is the image of God. I want to keep that sort of like positive, constructive, like let's just talk about a topic and explain it. I think those are useful videos. I'm convinced even if no one watches them, I'll still do them because I think they're important uh, to be doing constructive work in that in that way that can be used as a resource later on, maybe in church contexts or other contexts. Then finally, I want to do one of the you know random regular episodes, so stuff that just comes up that's like, hey, I want to talk about this. This was popular, and this is a great idea, a reason to talk about X, Y, Z. Those are usually the ones that get the most views, but I don't really care. Um, I'm interested in producing quality content for the long haul that's useful for you guys who are regular watchers, listeners, and maybe for the people who stumble on it too. That's fine. Anyway, that's, that's my goal. We'll see, see how it goes. I appreciate you guys for tuning in as always. Thanks for watching or listening to keep us keep. And I look forward to thinking with you guys. soon. Sick of being upsold at gyms. My guy, you're currently a base member for $90 more. I can upgrade you to our shred membership for 130 more. You'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach sweat platinum at planet fitness. You'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join planet fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See home club for details.